because, you know, I was sort of in your world of, you know, entrepreneurship and how am I going to do this and what am I going to do? Am I a speaker? Am I an author? Am I a teacher? And somebody told me, you know, I don't know if there's a market for your stories because I don't know if nice girls from Milwaukee who've never had anything bad happen to them can relate. And I just immediately went to, I was like, first of all, I don't think there is such a thing as a girl who's never had anything bad happen to her. I think all women can think back to being six years old and being afraid and wishing they had a fairy godmother to give them a different life. Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Leslie Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. Okay, be it, babe. Today's guest is is special. Um, (laughs) I'm always really interested on how communities are built, how the human behavior, why we do what we do. And, um, of course, like, uh, one of my hobbies is just like totally going into like, what's a cult and (laughs) learning about cults. And if you didn't know that about me now you do, like I'm very in on it. Um, and I came across this guest we have today. Her name is Daniela Mestic, Mestic Young. Um, I'm sorry, Daniela, we're friends now and I fucked up your name. I, (laughs) but I am obsessed with her in a good way, not in a cult leader way, not in a guru way, but just in like a way of like watching a woman go through what she's gone through in her life and use it to help us all in a very healthy and honest way. And so, um, if you, you'll hear in the interview, she is, um, she's an author. She was a second generation in the children of God cult. She ended up in the military. And, uh, today she is an author of the book uncultured. She is helping people understand like signs of a cult and also like really amazing stuff on like how to create like just a group. <laughs> and you'll hear why she says just a group in there. And I share this with you because I want you to be a seeker. And we talk about seekers at this, in this podcast, I want you to be someone who, um, does strive for, you know, having what exactly what you want in this world. I also want you to be um, aware that that can be so easily taken from you by somebody who doesn't have your best interests in mind. And so our guest today not only shares a lot about how she, uh, her story, her journey, she also gives us some amazing tips on like what to look out for in these groups. We have an amazing conversation, but um, listen to this and, um, and then go read her book. And, um, take, just take notice of it because I do think it will help you in your seeking journey. Be really aware of the people that are, are here on this planet to like really truly lift you up and be the wind on your sails and the people who want to take what your drive is and use it for their goal. So at any rate, here is Daniela. 
Planet Loves, it's here. OPC Summer Camp. You know that thing we started last year? Well, we're doing it again this year and we're making it bigger and better than ever because we have teachers from all over the world, which means all day long you can nerd out with me at Camp Zoom from the comfort of your own home in your favorite Pilates workout outfit without having to get bugs or dirt or weird camp food that's like some weird slot. No, you can have the amazing food from your own home. You can be whatever clothes you want to be in and you can join us all day long for whatever workouts and workshops you sign up for. In fact, you can even do a whole day pass and save the most money. In fact, up to 56% off if you buy the day pass. So go to opc.me slash events to see the full schedule and lineup of events. If you only have access to a mat, we've got plenty of stuff for you. We've got reformer. We've got some happy hip reformer with you. We've got so many amazing things. You can go to opc.me slash events to see the whole schedule, all 14 teachers and all the goodness that's going to happen at Camp Zoom. And I'm your camp director. Woo! Hi, be it babes. Okay. So I'm super excited because, um, I heard today's guest on a podcast, a little bit culty. I'm constantly intrigued and always making sure that I'm not in a cult or creating one. And when I heard this amazing woman you're about to meet today and her journey and her story, um, I was like, Oh my God, like what, what a be it person, like be it till you see it all the way through. I can't imagine going through any one of the things that she went through, let alone what all of it. And then what she's doing today. So today's guest is Daniela Messinek Young. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell everyone who you are and what you're up to these days? Absolutely. So I'm Daniela. I call myself a scholar of cults, extreme groups, and extremely bad leadership. And I wrote a book called Uncultured, which is my memoir. So it's a story of my life being born and raised two generations into the Children of God religious cult. I was, my mom was born and raised in. And then what it took to leave that, kind of put my life together in America outside the cult. And then because I'm such a high demand, high control person, I end up in the U.S. Army um, and kind of breaking barriers, making a lot of history for women, but also realizing a lot of the parallels between the world I'm in and my womanhood and the you know sex cult that I grew up in in my childhood. Um, so it is a book ultimately about group behavior that is telling the reader, you know, what the New York Times called a propulsive story, but it's also kind of begging you to look at the parallels in your own lives. I say, I like all my readers to ask themselves the question, what cults am I in? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think that the listener right now probably has a lot of questions. So first of all, you have to read her book. You can listen to her stay on, on audible. Um, it's, it's just phenomenally written. Um, I heard when you were on a little bit culty, you mentioned, um, the book educated, and that is a book my husband and I loved, uh, the way that she tells her story. And so I have to say like, you're, you tell a story in a way that you do take us along the ride. And it is interesting how you can find, first of all, I, I found myself seeing the repetitiveness from what the cult you grew up in to the military, but then also it, when you can do that, then you can also see it in your own life, which is your goal. And that's, I think the more we can do, the easier it is for us to understand, like, how do we get ourselves here? Like you, you were born into the cult that your family is, but like, what were the steps that got me here in this cult that I may be in? Um, Can I tell you first, just like quick story about educated from the perspective of be it it till you see it. Um, I, you know, listened to educated in 2018. And my first thought was literally, why didn't I write that book first? And then I was like, no, that's the model, right? Like mm. that's the, like she, she did a book 
And I can go write my book in the tradition of Educate It. And because yeah. Educate It was such a massive book, pretty much everyone in the industry was like, you cannot compare your book to Educate It. And I was like, I'm sorry, I know you mostly say that, but this is a true comparison. Yeah. Um, and now <laughs> I have, you know, four years later, I published a book called Uncultured that on the cover says in the vein of Educated and Glass Castle, um, yeah. which were the two giants in the field, right? So I, I like this story just to tell people, like, don't let people tell you, you can't also be something big, just like, go ahead and be it. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and we can just uh, drop the mic there. I mean, I, first of all, I'd love to share that because one of my coaches that I've worked with, um, he is very much like, you should absolutely compare your thing to something that's big because people need to know what camp you go in. So like, this is like the American idol for, I'm going to say knitting because Daniela is knitting. <laughs> if you're watching us on YouTube, I'm so impressed right now. Um, so like if, if people know if they can take your unique idea, you because it's your unique story and you can put it in the camp of something that they know is successful in his theory, it actually works really well. So I think it's so funny that people like, you can't do it. It's like, actually you just fucking did it. And <laughs> Well, and, and, you know, I, I want to tell you another story here because, you know, I was sort of in your world of, you know, entrepreneurship and how am I going to do this and what am I going to do? Am I a speaker? Am I an author? Am I a teacher? And somebody told me, you know, I don't know if there's a market for your stories because I don't know if nice girls from Milwaukee who've never had anything bad happen to them can relate and I just immediately went to, I was like, first of all, I don't think there is such a thing as a girl who's never had anything bad happen to her. I think all women can think back to being six years old and being afraid and wishing they had a fairy godmother to give them a different life. And that's why Disney's a billion dollar industry. <laughs> and I use that a bit in my sales pitch, right? Which was like, Yes, I'm telling you this like far out fantastic story, but I'm also telling you in a way this like every woman's story because you're seeing it through the eyes of this, this girl experiencing the extremes, yeah. but you're going to be seeing probably less extreme, but also toxic versions of that in your own life, well, um, and like, which is yeah, what I, I mean, really hope for. I agree. And I think like also, yes, every woman everywhere does need to maybe yours is the extreme. Maybe there's other extreme, more extreme ones out there. I hope dear God, I hope not. But like the reality is, is that like, we can't pretend that somewhere, some girls are very safe and they're very fine because they are eventually going to be out on a trip. They're going to be somewhere. And also I agree. I don't know that there's any person who hasn't experienced something where they didn't actually have the words for it. Like even when you were a child, you didn't have the words for what was going on with you. You just had this inherent knowledge. Like this is probably not a good thing. And I don't actually want to live this life. That's a big thing I've learned through writing my story. And I feel like with the proliferation of, you know, shiny, happy people being Amazon's largest number one original right now, mm. people look at my story as extreme, but the cult I was born and raised in was just kind of the ultimate conclusion of the Duggars, right? Of so many of these families and groups in America. Um, and this is why the next project I'm working on is a book called The Culting of America. But one of the things that I've learned from my readers and my discussions with them is that 
you know, for example, I have so much in common with some a woman who grew up Mormon, you know, yes. or like that it doesn't have to be a cult to have been a high control, high demand group environment that you were born and raised in that yeah. then influenced your personality in all of these ways. You know, yeah. and, and going back to what you were saying earlier of like when you're born into it, but you still have to kind of go back through and be like, why was I in this group? This is the thing I found is that after our, our culture, high demand religions or groups, we have to ask ourselves, you know, why was I in that group? And then what impacts did it have on me? Mm. And so for me asking, you know, on the one hand, asking why I was in the military, that tells me a lot about where I was personally at the time. But why I was in a cult is because my grandfather joined a cult. So for me, understanding why I grew up in a cult was kind of like going back and understanding systems and understanding group behavior. It's what led me to, to graduate school and studying organizational psychology around the same time I was writing Uncultured. Um, because oh, really, that's the and timeline. Because I, I was trying. So, okay, thanks for saying. Yeah, I was trying I was for the in. timeline of like when did you? So so when did so actually? I want to just get the listener up to date because if they haven't read your book, you left the military when, and then you started writing your book and going to college. Like what what time frame are we in? Because I'm looking at you and I'm like, I think I'm older than you. I don't know how you live five lifetimes before I, <laughs> in this many um, years. <laughs> time stands still with Daniela. <laughs> it's funny. I, I put together a a PowerPoint of photos for the book team helping me publish the book. And that's exactly what they said. They're like, so many lives. Yeah. Um, I just turned 36 last month. Um, so the timeline went, I I got out of the army when I was 25. Okay. No, sorry, not 25, 28. I got out of the army in 2015. Um, and I was pregnant with my daughter and I went to work for corporate America for a few years and then was like, this is not for me. Number of reasons got myself at first just into entrepreneurship. I was like, I'm going to start a team building company. And then I was like, oh, the problem with team building is people just think it's take a fun activity for add alcohol and call it a team. Um, and so I really started right around the same time I was deciding I was not going to go back to a nine to five job. I started um, kind of self-study. I was like, I'm going to make myself an expert in leadership and culture. Mm. And I started with this idea of like, you can't spell culture without cult. You know, this comes from the same place. There are so many parallels in my life, you know, and, and all of these things are, are worked into the book. Um, and then I was actually eyeing this program, this Harvard program for a master's in organizational psychology, but I couldn't make it across the country to Harvard. And then because of COVID, everything got turned virtual. So I jumped on that opportunity mid-COVID um, to go get a, an online degree at the same time everybody else was. Um, <laughs> so used my used my veteran money to, to go back and do that. Um, and here's what worked out so cool with the timeline. So, you know, the book came out in September. I graduated. So in March, 20 years to the day of when I walked away from the cult with zero education, right? Zero days in school, uh, 20 years to the month, I was conferred the master's degree from Harvard. Um, and then graduation was on my birthday. 20 years later, Tom Hanks was the speaker 
it was just, <laughs> I got to like dress up in all my Harvard Crimson, you know, Harvard's my favorite cult, and then go <laughs> to the Harvard bookstore and autograph my book there, like on my birthday in my regalia. Um, so it's actually kind of cool talking about this on this podcast, right? Because it really was this five-year journey for me of seven-year really after the army. I don't know what I'm going to be. And then I think I know what I'm going to be, but I don't really know. But just yeah. still like following a path. And all of a sudden, everything just came together five years later. And now when I drop my credentials, people are like, oh, wow. And I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure that's part of the Colton of America that our credentials are what gets us into <laughs> places and not like experience. <laughs> um, but so, okay. Agree. Agree. The- Okay. Thank you for that timeline. Cause I just think that is really cool. So, cause we, like, it's so easy to like read a book or read someone's bio and go, okay, she left the cult, got in the army. Now she's a Harvard grad. She wrote like, <laughs> she read a book, like she wrote a book. It's like, it, it's actually uh, you like for you as a 20 year journey from almost like bookend to bookend. We're like on a new series of books in your life. I feel like, so, uh, I do want to like get a little definition for those people listening who may not be aware, may not be like, like me watching anything that has to do with a cult to just make sure that I don't what I'm like shiny, happy people watch that <laughs> the vow of all the things, um, high controlled groups. Uh, can you like, give us a definition of like what those things are? You said high controlled and high, what was yeah, that? High control, high demand groups. Yes. Um, so I have a, okay. I have a very specific definition of a cult it's maybe a little bit hard to follow because it's 10 parts, uh, which is why I like. I, I like to have it in writing. If uh, any of your listeners like TikTok, you can always find this 10 part list above my head in my videos. Um, but I say a cult is a group that has, uh, you know, a defined charismatic leader, although that might be changing because of QAnon. <laughs> um, wh- whose members all believe in this single sacred assumption. So I say, you know, for the children of God, the sacred assumption was that David Berg was a prophet of God or for Nexium, that Keith Raniere was the world's smartest man. Um, and as long as you're under that sacred assumption, you can justify anything. But the sacred assumption fuels this transcendent mission, right? You have this huge mission that is so big and so right. You're going to go save the world in some way. And it's going to require the self-sacrifice of the individual. That's a really important part of cults and high demand groups is constantly asking the individual to sacrifice for the good of the group. This is why nonprofits can become cult-like very quickly. Mm. Um, And then this group now at this stage in the journey, right, it starts to limit its members access to the outside world. It starts to have a distinguishable vernacular language that only holds meanings. Uh, and there's quite a few ways cults weaponize language as well. And then it programs its members to hold an us versus them mentality. Now you're at this pretty serious stage where it starts to exploit its members' labor, have very high exit cost, and bring you into an ends justifies the means mentality. And with all of those things, I say, like, congratulations, if you hit 10 out of 10, you're a cult, even if nobody has diagnosed you as one. However, mm-hmm. we can all probably look through that list, right, and see that our groups are hitting a few a few of these. Um, 
And, you know, one of my arguments is that in a military unit, when you're back home, you're fine. You're only five out of 10 or six out of 10. But as soon as you deploy or go away to training together and you add this isolation, this us versus them mentality, these different things, you you are going to have a cultic experience. And we can't always just be like, ah, it's a cult and leave the group. So I like this sort of formula here because it tells us where to look for the toxic behavior. Yeah. Um, For me, this is very similar to my job in the military, in the army, which was I was an intelligence officer. So I was the expert on the bad guy. I was the expert on how every plan was going to go wrong. And but when I was in school studying group behavior, people only wanted to talk about happy, positive stuff and good groups and good leaders and values. And I'm like, but but here's all the dangers, you know, and we're mm-hmm. seeing these companies like WeWork or LuLaRoe, you know, just turn completely into cults and nobody's really seeing what's going on. So I like to use that framework and I tell people, you know, if it quacks like a cult, um, you know where to start looking for the the harmful stuff. I do. I appreciate you going through that framework and talking about that because I do. And also that you brought up like WeWork and LuLaRoe. Those are like jobs that people bought into. Like LuLaRoe, you paid into, you really paid in to join that call. <laughs> but the women who started that, that's what they didn't, that's what they thought they were joining to. They thought they, they were joining into creating a, a business for themselves that could make money. Right. And we work, right. they thought they were like redesigning the way the workforce was. And so it doesn't have to be um, yes. religious. And- And, you know, there's two things here, like nobody ever joins a cult, right? They join a group that is doing something that is like feeding their soul. Um, But also, you know, the listeners of Be It Till You See It are all going to be very susceptible to joining cults because that is what cults do is they give you these big missions. Remember, we talked about. So any person who is seeking to like change their life or do things differently or has recognized that the systems and the way that the world is, they don't like it. Those are the people that are susceptible to join Mm -hmm. cults, right? Mm -hmm. And then we also don't usually talk about, when we do talk about cults in society, we talk about why and how people join them and don't see all of the red flags. We don't talk about is how much effort goes into recruiting people, into disguising the red flags, into walking you slowly into the cult until that coercive control is complete. And then you really are under, you know, what's called, what uh, scholars like to call bounded choice, where, right. where you think you have free choice, you think you're free to leave anytime, but you actually are under the coercive control of a group. Yeah. I, so I love that you brought that up because I, I do agree. Like, I think anybody who's like seeking information to change their life and has like this, like, and I, and I actually don't think it's a bad thing to want something more in your life. I don't think that's what you're saying either, but to be aware that like, because you are in such search of something bigger or something more than what you're doing, you are susceptible. So can we talk a little bit about like what the disguise can look like so that <laughs> if, if the, if something quacks a little bit, they're like, ah, oh, that, <laughs> that's a cult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'll start with one that, that I heard you throw out earlier, which was, well, we can't be a cult because people are free to leave anytime. Right. Yeah. This is the number one Thing that you get from any group 
And I've even, people will literally say this to me with a straight face about the military. And I'm like, you think you're free to leave the military anytime? Please explain that to me, right? I don't so, think so. Um, I've not been in it. My yeah, family so, was in it. <laughs> so I think there's some, there's a really important thing about that phrase, they're free to leave anytime, which is under coercive control. Not only is that phrase not true, that phrase is actually there to reinforce the dichotomy of there are two ways, my way or you're gone. Right. Right. So there's no room for you to criticize anything here. And I, you know, of course, we saw this in the cults, but I saw this in the army all the time. And they say, you know, you signed up to be here. It's a volunteer army. And I'm going, I'm just saying, I don't think all the soldiers need to be here at 3 a.m. for a movement that doesn't start until noon. I'm not saying I don't like my job. Right. But they give you this all or nothing dichotomy. Um, mm. and then, but in cults, when I say, you know, they say you're free to leave anytime and saying that is actually part of disguising the fact that you aren't free to leave because cults and coercive groups, they know they need to keep you, you know, poor, isolated, busy, skinny, pregnant, and tired. And if they mm. do all of those things, you actually will not be free to leave, right? Yeah. And you will have so many things keeping you in place. Um, and so that, for example, is one of the ways of disguising, right? Like yeah. constantly reminding you you're free to leave, constantly talking about how we're not a cult and what the answer that we give to people is. Um, <laughs> cults, use these, cults use these things called thought-stopping cliches which is, you know, it's the first day of the rest of your life comes from a cult leader named Sinanon. You know, they'll say, trust the prophet. They'll say, keep sweet. Um, boys will be boys is a good one, you know, or mm -hmm. you knew what you signed up for. And it's intended to just shut down critical complaint. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a, a book that shows very well the way that the cults disguise all the red flags. It's called Scarred by Sarah Edmondson, who was from Nexium. Yeah. Um, I'm actually reading it out loud on TikTok while I'm knitting so people can come there for snippets. <laughs> but what she shows really well is that she's not blindly joining a cult. She is having questions all along the way. But every time you have a question, there's an answer, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they have like preempted this. Um, and one of the ways I, I think we can see this with cult leaders is, you know, big, complicated societal questions have big, complicated answers or don't have answers. So anyone promising to solve a big, complicated problem for you with a very simple solution is a common, right? Like yeah. is someone who is trying to coerce you. Oh, I love this. It's so many tools for us all to use. And I, um, I, I remember I was in college. I think I was just finishing college. I was prime for this to happen. Somebody invited me to like um, a landmark meeting and I went to, the, I didn't know what it was. And I like went and of course, like they, they do a really good job, like asking these great questions to get you to give information. And of course, like I was having problems with a family member at the time. They're like, well, how long have you kept this problem around? It's obviously serving you some something good to keep this problem around. And I remember thinking, Fuck off. like, I can't get rid of this family member. I'm a 19 year old person who's trying to pay college loans. What are you talking about? So I left 
And I never, like, I didn't sign up. Also, it was too expensive. And I was like, are you, kid- are you kidding? <laughs> you know how much my student loans are that I'm paying myself? Thank you. So I, but I remember this moment because I remember like how close, had I had the money, would I have joined it? Maybe because mm-hmm. they seem to have the answers. They seem to know what they're doing. So fast forward, I'm teaching a Pilates class. And one of my clients is like, I'm going to miss class this weekend. I'm going to this thing. And I said, okay, great. Have fun. You know? So she shows up for class on one of the days. And I said, and I said, oh, I thought you're going to be here. She's like, I think it's a really weird place. And so I'm just going to be here. You guys, her phone did not stop ringing. They kept calling her to get her to come back because it was the last day, all these these things. And I said, I'm just like, I'm just going to be honest. I think it's really weird. I've never called a client multiple times going, why haven't you come back to class? Like, that's weird. <laughs> yes. And so TikTok channel is, is me just like helping people like pull out and understand these little things. Right. So even for example, you know, when we first started talking and you said you're a Pilates instructor and I said, oh, is it a cult? And you laughed. Right. Yeah. That's a very healthy response because I say, like, if you wanted to fight me all of a sudden, or if you had all these justifications about why you weren't a cult, that's when I get very suspicious. You know, <laughs> and you see the moment in my book after I've left the cult where I, I realize it was a cult, right? Then one of my first thoughts was like, well, of course we were a cult. We spent hours drilling responses to why we aren't a cult, right? Like, who does that? Um, and so I even think it's one of those things, you know, it's one of my, uh, 10 commandments for good groups that aren't cults is like, can you, can you joke about your organization, which is also to say, can you critically look at your organization? Right. Cause your response was you laughed. Then you said, well, it can be a cult. And then you immediately started critically looking. Right. So that is, I would say a healthy response. To, for a leader of an organization in an organization that might have some things that are culty and some areas, you know, I'm sure I could come into your Pilates studio and point out some things about group behavior that you may be unaware of that could turn toxic, but that doesn't mean like you're a cult, but real cults, of course, do not want to fix themselves. They do not want to, you know, dig into areas of behavior that could turn toxic. And so if you ask someone a question like, oh, could it be a cult? And their reaction is really negative, even though cult's a negative word. Like I usually see that as one of those interesting signs. That's so interesting. That's so funny. One of the things that I did last year, I started a mentorship and I had, there's like 15 girls and I had said, I don't know if I'm going to do it again. Probably do it one time. Let's just see how it goes. See if I like the how much time it takes and, and the, and the, and the journey of it all. And at the end I said, yeah, ladies, you guys were so much fun. I'm going to do it again. And they're like, can we all apply again? Cause then it's just us. And I said, nope, we're actually going to let lots of people in <laughs> and we're not going to isolate ourselves. In fact, all of this has to get out there. Cause I would love to change the industry, but I can't change it myself. I want, I want you all to be the people who change it. So we're going to right there. <laughs> not (laughs) become a weird group who isolates ourselves. (laughs) And this is, I think this is so important in the kind of life coach industry, you know, and one of the reasons I went more traditional book route instead of, and, and more degrees instead of life coach route was I personally was like, this feels a little culty. Like we're trying to become gurus and just, you know, which is actually what charisma is, is you have authority based on your own qualities that are somehow above other people's, you know? And so I 
I think that's one of another one of the signs though, right? It's like, I, I wrote a whole memoir. We came on here to talk about my book. How little have we talked about me and how much have we talked about the ideas, right? With, With you, with that group, right? They were trying to almost make you this guru and you're like, no, let's not do that. Like, yeah. let me just be a helper along the way. Yeah. And I and- think that's an interesting, important distinction. And one of my favorite cult scholars, Dr. Yanya Lalich, she just says, point blank. She's like, there are no gurus. Like, do what you need to do for your religion, for your spirituality. But just like, there are no gurus. It's always a danger sign. And you should yeah. always be questioning. Um and this was, you know, something that was said about Keith Raniere of Nexium, which was very, very extreme. Uh, it was all based on his claim, completely unsubstantiated, that he was the smartest man alive. And the thing that was said that was so insightful was any time a leader asks for your extra confidence in them or promises you extra results, you should actually be asking extra questions or looking for extraordinary proof. Right. Because this is the thing that happens again and again as people get lost in the charisma, lost in the thought leadership, lost in the guru ness, and then they don't question. And it doesn't always mean it's going to turn toxic, but it often does. Yeah. Yeah. I thank you for saying that. I I want to say to my ladies in that group, I don't think you were trying to make us a cult, but. I think you really enjoy the time, but I just wanted to use it as an example because I do think a lot of people listening create groups mm-hmm. and how easy to be like, well, actually, yeah, let's just make this the group that always goes and does this together. And that, and what you're saying, it doesn't, it can, it's, it's just, it can lead that way. So, you know, and I think that's important yeah. because especially people listening who do want to to have a, a community of some kind, you know, knowing um, that you're creating a community that it tr- like, are you putting yourself at the top or like, is the community a whole that like, there's the community, the whole that's the top and everyone's kind of part of it, you know? So I, that's why I really loved what you, how you bring things up because it can be easy for the person's like, well, I created this group. So I have to lead this group and I have to do these things. And then all of a sudden you put this pressure on yourself to become somebody that that's not why you might've created the group in the first place um, or the community. Right. Cause everybody does want to belong to a group. And I think that that's also the hard part of, and I'm sure you're talking about that in your next book. It's like, people want to belong. People want to feel seen. So how do we create places where can people belong and feel seen without creating <laughs> a toxic environment? Yeah. I mean, the drive for community is huge, you know, and um, when you were talking about with your group, how like not doing repetitive things can be helpful. You know, I never thought about it this way, but I was like, but like, that's a huge thing in military intelligence is you don't set patterns because patterns are dangerous, right? And so I think just that right there is an interesting thing to look at. Um, but how do we how do we create positive groups, right? And this is one of everyone's big questions. Um, I'm actually ending my next book with a chapter. It was going to be called A Good Cult or Good Groups <laughs> because that's what everyone asked about. But now we're calling it Just Groups. So Just mm. Groups, but also Just Groups which is kind of, if you understand this idea of it's not a binary, it's a spectrum, right? So I like to say like, a a group is not a cult or not a cult or toxic or not toxic, right? It's not that simple, complicated issues of complicated answers. And so 
I, you know, want people to look at the spectrum of those 10 parts of a call. You can have any or none or all of them. Um, and then how do those influence you? But part of starting to look at groups as neither good nor bad, but a spectrum, then I think really changes the answer of how we look at good groups, um, mm. which is something I kind of say even in the end of Uncultured, which is like, we need to understand that our groups are just groups. And, you know, there's this phrase out of individual psychology, which says human beings are 99% the same, but it's that 1% of difference that causes all the world's problems. And I feel like the DNA of groups, very similar, right? Like groups are 99% similar. And I've been in and studied a lot of them. But no matter, you know, the flip side of that is no matter how amazing you think your group is, and how hard you're trying to build a good group, you're also kind of only 1% away from the being the sex cult that traffics children, right? Mm. And I think this is the most important thing we can do to build good groups is be on guard, is talk about the negatives, is never assume that our group is good. You know, one of one of my 10 commandments for good groups that are not cults is thou shall never chant thy own last name. You know, and it's just <laughs> this like us versus them mentality. Mm-hmm. But as humans, we have this propensity to believe that our group is the best because it is ours. Our family is the best because it is ours. Our way of life is the best, our religion, and on and on. And so, and, and anytime you are 100% sure of your position, you have blind spots. And then these coercive groups, again, that are out there, that are recruiting, that have agendas, that are trying to to build these armies to create power, you know, they have much more of a chance of getting you than if you're really much better at kind of living in the gray and being like, you know, I have a great group. I try really hard, but I want to look out for these things, you know, yeah. like, like in your example, right. Another leader might be like, these are really good girls. No women. Nobody's trying to turn this into a call. Like we're fine. I can be the leader. Whereas you are like, no, I'm always worried about whether I'm joining a cult or building a cult. So I'm going to be careful here, right? Yeah. And this is something we see out of military intelligence as well, that you almost don't have to prepare for the exact scenario that you're going to encounter because you almost never know what that is. But any level of preparation for like a, a bad guy attack, right, for toxins coming in from the outside is going to make you more prepared yeah. for when it does go wrong. Yeah. You know, and and I think one of the biggest ways that people fall for these toxic groups or toxic gurus is just getting so isolated or so into it or so inundated with it. You know, you go to CrossFit every day. If your CrossFit box starts going wrong, how are you going to be able to tell? Right. If you don't have enough exposure to enough other groups, right. Yeah. To be able to see when things are going wrong, see when the logic is going off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it is, um, it allows everybody to go, okay, if I'm like, if I'm staying guard and I'm asking questions and I can consciously go into a group and and many groups can be just a group. 
And if I ever feel like I'm at a point where I cannot ask those questions, I cannot be critical. There's my red flags to go. Okay. Then I like, I've, I've leaned into the spectrum too far with this place, you know? So, um, hundred percent, hundred percent. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I feel like sometimes I get early on guard cause I was raised, I was not raised in, a. a like a shiny, happy people type cult, but my Pam, my parents were very much in organized religions. However, they changed pretty much every year for a good several years. So <laughs> I I'm like, I'm like, did we stop going? Because like it was <laughs> my, my mom, the big joke was that we'd stop going. We switched churches because of football. Cause we'd stop going every football season. I think my mom was too <laughs> embarrassed to go back to that cult. So we had to start a new one. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's um, my, <laughs> my, but my you know this um it's funny though but this is actually some of the advice that I give to people like if you're trying to understand cults and coercive control like read five different memoirs right because mm-hmm. once you read enough where the details are completely different, you'll you'll start to realize that it's a pattern. Yeah. Right. And it, sort, it seems like that's accidentally what your mom was doing because you had so many, whether whether she realized it or whether you realized it, right? You started to see these patterns and be like, oh, I get like what this is, you know, yeah. because you're seeing so many different ways. And for me, I was reading about all of these different Christian cults. And so in my head, at, you know, 22 years old, the problem is Christianity. And mm. then I read a memoir by a girl who grew up in Scientology. And it was exactly like, sounded exactly like my childhood and a bunch of similar themes. And that's when I was like, oh, it's that the essence of mind control and controlling other humans is, it's like, it's not only the same, it's programmatic. So we can spot these markers as it's happening. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm glad that you brought that up. I, I love that you said five different ones because then it, it you're not able to go, well, because I'm not in a Christian group, then I'm not in cult. It's like, actually right. what you're saying, it, the, this programming can happen in any type of group. So, um, and, yeah. and as we're all trying exactly. to follow that journey. Like you followed your journey to become an author, whatever that is, if you're listening, wherever you're going, all this is, is to help you. What I hope you're getting out of this is to help you understand like science where maybe your, your goal, your ultimate idea of what you wanted has led you down to a path of like being part of some group that is not healthy for you. And it's actually not going to help you get to that next level. Yeah. So the number one, you know, the number one personality type, um, that they say that is among people that join cults is being a seeker, you know, which I, I say, if you're, if you like to read books or you're listening to this podcast, right, you're probably a seeker and something that cults and coercive groups and coercive leaders will do is weaponize your passions and weaponize your discontents, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're this person who's doing exactly what I did, I'm dropping out of the business world, I'm going to go seek for my own thing, I'm going to be super passionate, I want to change the world. I've joined a thousand culty groups, you know, like, those things are the things that are qualities that make you this amazing human that makes you the person that can probably go achieve anything you want, but mm-hmm. it also can be weaponized against you, Yeah, you know, and uh, General Stanley McChrystal has this really great concept of like, when we are looking at threats to our leadership or our groups, we don't usually look at ourselves mm-hmm. as one of the threats, Right. So that I think is just one of those things, you know, that's really important to kind of 
focus on. And I always like to stay away from the words of good or bad. And none of this stuff is to scare anyone. It's just literally to see by looking at these extreme examples, we can find those parallels when they start, right? Not when our group is on the international news with really bad, bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It can happen in a, in your, in your local gym, you know, um, like Daniela, I feel like I could talk to you forever. I I've also, because I've just been listening to your book, like crazy to, um, to get to know you more and what you're up to. I'm excited to see where you go with all of this. Um, because the good part about being a seeker is that I do think that you'll, with all of your tools, that you know, will probably educate all of us in bigger ways than we could ever be. And then those of us who are in leadership, who are, who want to lead the seekers on a safe and just a group environment <laughs> can learn so much more about how we can do that. So thank you. Um, before, we're going to take a quick Absolutely. And, and thank you so much for listening to the audio because doing that was one of the hardest things ever. I um, can't even so. imagine because like <laughs> I just how much stuff that I have to do. Uh, and my husband's like, well, when you read it, it sounds like you're reading. And I'm like, uh-huh. I'm well, you want me to read this? So I'm reading. <laughs> so well, I can't even it, imagine. Wait, here, here's the thing that I think your leaders will get a kick out of, right? It was like doing that. I had to record it straight through in five days. It felt like it was going to kill me. It was so, 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 so hard. But I was a trained exploited actor from the age of birth by this cult. And I got to go use my own voice and my own voice acting abilities, which got me recommended in the New York Times to read this book about them for global distribution. So that was like one of those moments of like, even though this is so hard, right? Like I'm doing this to own my story, to get it back and to like, this is how I win, you know? Um, So anyways, big fan of audios. So powerful. Like, oh my God, so powerful. All right, loves, it's super important to me that supplements I take are of the highest quality. And that's why for three years, I've been drinking AG1. Unlike many supplement brands, AG1 is constantly searching for how to do things better. At 52 iterations of their formula and counting, their team is always trying to find better ways to source, test, and aim to find the best quality ingredients available. I love this so much, guys, because so many people think I have to get it right the first time, and they have done 52 different iterations. I freaking love that. So many people have asked me if AG1 is actually the real deal. I really do drink it, and trust me, there's a reason why I've been drinking it for so long. Quality for AG1 isn't just a buzzword. It's a commitment backed by expert-led scientific research, high-quality ingredients, industry-leading manufacturing, and rigorous testing. At each step of the process, AG1 goes above and beyond industry standards. I know I can trust what's in every scoop of AG1 because it's tested for 950 contaminants and banned substances while the industry standard typically only tests for 10. Holy moly. I know that like I'm a recovering overachiever over here, but I'm super glad AG1 isn't. Okay, so taking care of my health shouldn't be complicated and AG1 simplifies this by replacing multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. It's literally just one scoop. It's one scoop in one bottle of water. It's amazing. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. Y'all know I've had gut stuff, so that's why I've been doing it for so long. I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash be it. 
That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. Okay. Where can people find you, follow you, work with you, get your books, get, get notifications of your next book? So my website is www.uncultureyourself.com. You can find out all kinds of things about me there, including sassy t-shirts. Um, best bet is going to be follow me on TikTok at Daniela Mestinek Young. And we are there all day, all the time talking about cults and extreme groups and extremely bad leadership and ways it might show up in your life. And of course, knitting. Um, and you know, the book is available anywhere you can buy books. And I hope that you all will both read the book and then come join one of our online conversations about it because we are all learning from each other. Yeah, I agree. You've given us a lot. You've given us tips and all these things, but we like to end with like bold, executable, intrinsic targeted steps because it's one thing to be inspired. It's another thing to like have an action step you can take on. What do you have for our listeners today? Okay. So everyone does vision exercises, but as an organizational psychologist, I feel like this this is where I must go. And I have a good one, which is just because it's for bold, it's for backwards planning, right? So just you imagine yourself when you're 80 and then you go through all of your senses, right? So dream life. What are you seeing around you? What are you hearing? What are you smelling? What are you tasting? What are you feeling? And then how do you start to backwards plan your life so that you can get there? Um, so that's one that I really like, right? Because it really gets to the, like, we have one life to live it. What do we want out it, out of it? Right. And how can we create those things? Um, and then the other, I think executable advice is like, when you figure out what you want to be, even if you don't know what that is yet, you just know it's something more, or it's in this direction, like, Everyone is going to give you advice. Listen to all of it. But if it's negative advice, only listen to people who've done what you're trying to do. Mm. I actually love that picture. That's so helpful. Yeah. Like I had so many people tell me that what I was going for was impossible. And like, yeah, because nobody's done what I've done before. So they couldn't see it, but I could. But I had specific things like, oh, self-publish a book because nobody can reverse engineer a best-selling memoir. And I said to myself, well, has this person written a best-selling memoir? No. Mm. Okay. I'm going to go find someone who has, you know. Um, So I think we encounter this a lot in the world of seekers and what we're trying to be and sharing our passions and it is it is so up and down, right? You're going to have moments that you think you screwed everything up. And then you're going to have moments that it's all coming together. But if you just like talk to everyone, keep your mind open, listen to everyone, but only pay attention to the naysayers who have done what you're trying to do. Yeah. yeah. Right? Or not the naysayers, but like that's the legitimate negative advice is learning from them. But so many other people are just saying, telling you not to because they can't see it. Yeah, I I agree with that. Like, I think, you know, when I sort of work for myself, everyone in my family who was giving me negative advice, oh, you're not going to pay your bills, all this negative stuff. It's like, well, 
none of you have worked for yourself. So appreciate it. But like, that's an easy filter versus like my, my great uncle who has worked for himself. He's like, that's amazing. Do this one thing. It's going to be hard, but blah, blah, blah. it's like, okay, it's going to be hard. He knows. <laughs> and here's something advice I can take from that. I think that's Daniela. Thank you so much. I also, I love, I love a vision of day, but I also love that you put it through the filters of the senses. That's really uniquely different. Uh, so thank you for, for that. Oh my God, this puppy is so cute. If you're watching on YouTube, she's been knitting this entire time. I'm so impressed. I've knitted nothing in my life and her dog looks like a stuffed animal. So <laughs> Daniela, thank you so much, y'all. How are you going to use these tips in your life? What are you going to do with them next? Make sure you let Daniela know how this podcast made you feel. Tag her, tag the beat pod and share this with a friend who might maybe needs to hear that they're the 10 signs are in a cult and they don't want to listen to you. So <laughs> uh, give them this podcast. And until next time, be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the Be It Till You See It podcast. One thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. Be It Till You See It is a production of the Bloom Podcast Network. It's written, filmed, and recorded by your host, Leslie Logan, and me, Brad Kroll. It is produced and edited by the Epic Team at Desenio. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music, and our branding by designer and artist, Gianfranco Chofi. Special thanks to Melissa Solomon for creating our visuals and Semena Velazquez for our transcriptions. Also to Angelina Herico for adding all the content to our website, and finally, to Meredith Crowell for keeping us all on point and on time. All right, my coffee lovers, I got something for you. And I know most of you are coffee lovers because if you're listening to this, you have lots of things you're doing and coffee is something that you are taking with you everywhere you go. In fact, I know the Plaza instructors around here are taking coffee, kombucha, tea, and water into every class that they take. So this one is amazing because this is Pure Cafe Bold. They have two options for you. They've got black coffee and then they've got a caramel coffee latte, which is amazing. And here's why it's amazing. It's pre-brewed. So it comes in this amazing little packet and you can actually just take the packet in to your office, your work on a plane like we've been doing. And then you pour hot water in and boom, you've got coffee. And this coffee actually has some amazing stuff. It's not just regular coffee. This coffee supports your immune system. It boosts cognitive function, increases stamina, it reduces stress, and it has cordyceps. And what are cordyceps, you ask? Oh, that's right, Brad's here. Nature's powerful secret energizer, a rare species of fungi, cordyceps is renowned for its invigorating properties and centuries-old use in traditional medicine packed with essential nutrients. This natural adaptogen boosts stamina and supports overall well-being. And seriously, it's actually super simple to make. Leslie and I have taken it camping. Yeah. I'll use it in the afternoon. We're taking it everywhere because I'm tired of conferences and different hotels having burnt coffee. It's a thousand times better than the terrible coffee that you get on an airplane. And the black coffee is like less than a dollar a packet. So it's like, it's really kind of amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the caramel myself. He the does caramel like has it. a little bit of, uh, of milk in it. So. It has some dairy. So my dairy free peeps, you can't do the caramel, but you can do the black, right? Yeah. The black coffee is vegan, keto, gluten-free, non-GMO, nut-free, dairy-free, fat-free, and CGMP compliant. All right. So here's the deal. You need to go to beitpod.com slash coffee, B-E-I-T-P-O-D.com slash coffee. 
And when you do that, you are going to be able to get some amazing coffee that we're loving. You can buy it as a one-time purchase or you can actually get it as a subscription. There's even family packs. So if you know that you've got a lot of coffee drinkers in your household, this is amazing. And it's honestly cheaper than all the coffees we've been making at home. So we are so excited. I hope you are. Go to beatpod.com slash coffee. And, you know, cheers to you and I. Every morning, we'll be drinking the same coffee together. Woo!